Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Um, my guest today is Charles Manning, the founder and CEO of Kochava. And Kochava's project uh, is called Exchange, which we'll be getting into. So, Charles, how are you doing? Very well. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, I, you know, I always want to start with the basics. Um, I just want to let people know that you're coming to speak at the uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference, February 16th to the 18th in Dallas. So, if any listener has an opportunity to come and see him in person and hear him speak, do so uh, if you're not already signed up. Um, but Charles, go ahead. Tell us about uh, Kochava and the exchange project. What's it about? You bet. You bet. So Kochava is a six-year-old company. Uh, we're a profitable company. We've got roughly 140 employees on the team. Uh, we uh, have had the great benefit of being bootstrapped uh, in building the business. Uh, and we serve leading advertisers and agencies to provide measurement and analytics for their ad campaigns so they can get a, a better sense of where their investments are being made in advertising and the ROI on those investments. And so what's fascinating about that is that uh, we have customers like NBC, CBS, Turner, Disney, uh, as well as a lot of gaming brands like Machine Zone, Big Fish, you know, GSN, Game Show Network. Uh, and they use our technology uh, to identify the effectiveness of their spend. And this is something that is a, a very common need within the advertising space because so often you, you, you spend a lot of money on advertising to acquire audiences that would find interest in your, in your app or, or whatever product or service you're providing on the web. And a technology platform like Kachava helps give insights on how effective that effort is. So with that as the backdrop, we, you know, I personally uh, became quite interested in cryptocurrencies a few years ago. And in particular, while I was interested in cryptocurrencies, I was, I was more interested in really the blockchain framework as a construct uh, to uh, collapse inefficiencies within supply chains and started thinking about really the business that we're in, which is measurement. And the fact that we are as a, uh, for our advertisers, we're the system of record, we're the ledger, the, the official ledger for those advertisers on what's really happening and what's not happening and how effective it is. And okay. the, par the parallels just started to uh, really blossom that it, there was an opportunity uh, as the progression of the advertising industry uh, occurs to really bring advertising onto the blockchain to provide uh, all the great benefits that blockchain provides uh, in the context of an immutable ledger, 
uh, transparency, a common set of pipes that everyone in the ecosystem is operating against. And so we began uh, building a first implementation of this of this brand new blockchain technology. You know, we're not using a third-party blockchain, but we instead decided we wanted to build one from the ground up to handle really three things. One is the performance volumes that are required for advertising, you know, in the, in the realm of a million transactions a second plus, uh, to be able to have first-class roles for the ecosystem actors that are in advertising, uh, you know, unlike a traditional altcoin blockchain that's really just about avoiding double spend and moving uh, stored value from one actor to another. This one uh, really was really about the marketplace of buying and selling media and targeting that media, fulfilling that media, uh, measuring the media, rating the actors in the process, and then ultimately having the payout. And the third well, was... Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to dive into this a little bit before we get too far. Um, <clears throat> so you talk about measuring results in advertising. You know, I've been doing direct marketing for, you know, about nine years. Um, social media is the big thing. So when you say measure results, are you um, measuring actual purchases of products of these companies, or is it likes, or is, what kind of metrics do you find are useful to measure? What do you yep. measure? Yep. So it's really principally the core business that our advertiser is in. So it could be an app download uh, to, to see that um, the promotion of an app results in an end consumer downloading that app and engaging with that app. But it could also be uh, to understand the uh, value of that audience or that individual user in the context of are they using the app? Are they viewing content if it's a video app? Are they transacting uh, if the gaming app and, and, and the audience is um, committing in-app purchases, or it could be things like, um, you know, ride sharing. Are they taking rides? Are they spending money? And so we, we look at the whole thread of the interaction uh, of the service typically. It's not so much, call it likes um, or, uh, or shares, although it could certainly be that in, in some use cases. That's pretty advanced. Yeah, I haven't heard of that. I, you know, I know... <clears throat> Most advertising platforms, they just want to sell you impressions or whatever it is, and they leave right. you there. And then even when yep. people measure, they, don't, they certainly don't measure to that level, to the engagement right. level and the retention and all that. So that's really great. So, what's, um, so how does blockchain help advertisers? Um, you know, what data goes into your blockchain, and why is that better than just uh, the, you know, having a dashboard in Excel or having a dashboard in your proprietary software? Yep. So um, it's a great question, and it's a, it's a question that, you know, as so many companies are contemplating incorporating blockchain into their products or services, it's, it's a million-dollar question. Is it, is it just a halo effect to say we're doing stuff on blockchain, or is there actually a, a, a reasonable value on why you're using blockchain per se? And uh, I, I'd argue it's very much the latter, um, that what the blockchain represents is it, is it solves a very uh, big problem in advertising in that the supply chain is very splintered. And when the supply chain is splintered and there are a lot of different actors that are kind of uh, making their differentiation based on uh, inter-system integration uh, as their primary moat, what it means is that advertisers have to deal with lots of little pockets of inventory as opposed to being able to buy uh, at scale through a common framework. And that's fundamentally why Facebook and Google have become so successful. They've perfected making it easy for advertisers to spend money on their platforms, and they've made all of the back-end stuff that's involved in making that possible uh, kind of uh, invisible to the buyer of the media. So if anyone only ever spent money on Facebook and Google, 
uh, we would be fine because the world, uh, because those two companies have provided great services. But the reality is hmm. that they really represent 50% of the market. And the other 50% is lots of individual publishers that don't necessarily make their inventory available through Google and Facebook. Uh, it's made up of fraud mitigation tools to ensure that that traffic is in fact real and these are real audiences and not just click farms. It um, incorporates data enrichment companies so that you can do a better job targeting audiences on these disparate um, media sources. And that, that work of gluing all that together is a lot of work. And it ends up meaning that there is less ROI because there's so much inefficiency and so much money spent in all the different hops and steps. And so the principle behind yeah. exchange is that if that's unified under a common open protocol, uh, which you can do when you have your own blockchain, and that that protocol helps you with inventory discovery, price discovery, demand discovery, and then ultimately locking down into a contract for buying and selling media, then you have something that is um, as easy as a Facebook and a Google for the consumer, consumer being an advertiser. Um, but, but more importantly, it's done without an intermediary. It's done without a central authority who right. is uh, kind of in the middle of it all, if that makes sense. So it's like a marketplace where I can go and compare advertising venues for my products side by side, essentially, right? You, you nailed it. An open protocol marketplace where the product is, in fact, inventory of audiences that you can buy the ability to impress upon them with ad units, whether it's an interstitial or a banner or a video or whatever else. Sounds like uh, James Altucher has been uh, using every single resource on your platform for months. <laughs> I see that guy everywhere, you know, every ad, every banner, every, you know, all over the place. So, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ad spend by that, by that group. That's for sure. But it might be a good example for people. So that's what people don't think of. Like most advertisers think, okay, I'll go on Facebook or Google, or maybe I'll use Reddit or stuff like that. But you can appear in banners on all kinds of sites. You can appear all kinds of places. Uh, like you said, right. video interstitials. So Altature is a good example. It looks like he's using every advertising nook and cranny in the book to be everywhere. That's right. And and once an audience is pixeled, um, a.k.a. tracked, then uh, those opportunities to re-engage or to re-impress them, those audiences, uh, becomes possible. And, and that is really uh, an example of what Google and Facebook have perfected and what has been difficult um, in the kind of open market of everywhere else. And so the notion here is that all of that ends up getting harnessed under a common open platform so that um, mm. you it, it, really what it comes down to is cost arbitrage. Because if every right. nook and cranny is considered equal, then there is no premium that is necessarily dictated because it's media that's bought on Facebook. It, it is an open marketplace of premium. So if it's really a good audience, in fact, that's what drives it, which ultimately results in a higher yield of money for the publishers. Well, actually, I got two questions for you. One is that because you run the exchange and you go so far with your insights, you know, let's say, um, I don't know, I can buy on website A and that banner is $5 per 1,000 impressions. Website B is $8 per thousand impressions. And I may think, oh, well, the five the website A is cheaper. I'll go with that. But do you guys have insight on the back end? Hey, for some reason, even though this site's more expensive, the customers that use it tend to have better back end results and more customers that actually convert from looking at a banner to becoming That's right. a customer. That's, you nailed it. So it's a function of intent, isn't it? Like it could be cheaper, but you get what you pay for. And so there's, there's that example that you just described. And then there's the inverse example, which is 
a publisher doesn't necessarily know what they should charge, but they've got phenomenal users for what your service is, but they just don't necessarily know. And if it's on an open marketplace, then that becomes known faster. So they have the ability to charge appropriately on market-driven rates based on market-driven demand in a holistic fashion. So do you score these advertising opportunities or would people scream at you if you didn't score them well or you just have that data internally? Like, how are you going to represent yeah. that on the exchange or not? Good, good question. So um, there's really two aspects of this project. One is building the core pipes and then the other is ensuring that as we architect the pipes, there's a place for vendors to participate and add value. And so as an example, you don't want an open protocol to necessarily be a competitor to all the ecosystem partners. You want it to be a facilitator for the ecosystem partners to compete in whatever they add value in. And so what's what's I think really uh, unique about exchange is that it is a codification of these open protocols and uh, these these core actors that are first-class actors in the system to enable that to happen. So I'll, I'll enumerate who some of those actors are just by example. Um, you have a buyer and a seller. So a buyer buys media, a seller sells media, and they could mm. sell media just for their, their properties, or it could be an ad network who has an aggregation of properties and they're bringing it onto exchange to monetize uh, those properties. But then you have four additional actors that um, ride alongside these transactions to add value. One is a measurement company, uh, what we call a measurement provider. And you could think of Kuchava as a company as one of those measurement providers because we would uh, peer into the chain and then cross-compare that with off-chain signal, i.e. click transactions or conversion transactions. And we could clear that, yes, this media was delivered and, yes, it was effective at this level. And so that's kind of the role of a measurement provider but that role is open. So there could be competing measurement providers competing to be the best measurement provider in the ecosystem. It's not a, it's not a one and done where we've kind of baked in a monopoly for our company. We've, we've wanted to make it truly open and market-driven. The second... You know, it'd be like Consumer Reports rating yourself the best Consumer Reports guy. You nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. So that's exactly <laughs> right. So the, the second role outside of measurement is ratings. And um, we called it that for a very specific reason. It's like the consumer reports of all the actors in the system. So I, mm. I envision this as, um, you know, if you're in the ad world, you're familiar with things like Comscore 100, which is uh, a listing of index information about the top 100 engaged properties on the Internet. And Comscore mm. curates that list. Well, that would be an example where Comscore could be a ratings provider to provide um, insights on all the different actors on exchange and do a similar Comscore 100 on exchange as an example. Or it could be dimensions like a fraud index. So instead of it being a quote-unquote good index, it could be a bad index. So who are all the bad right. actors that blend bad traffic or, or bot traffic, whether they know it or not, who are, who's doing that? And that really speaks to uh, ensuring health of the, of the system because um, now you have an actor whose job it is and who gets paid to score everyone's behavior, and they're incentivized to keep the system clean. So the system doesn't have to be clean itself and automatically do that. It, it provides a role for that. And then the third one is a payment provider. Uh, and and it, it's a little bit hard for, for folks initially to think about, well, why in the heck do you have a payment provider? Like, can't you just pay in fiat currency? Well, 
one of the great things about blockchain is the tokenization of supply chains, that you can have a token be excreted when delivery happens. But oftentimes, big brands like P&G or big agencies like WPP, they're yeah. probably not going to have a token wallet on day one and just start working cryptocurrencies on ad buys. They're going to want to pay like they normally pay, which is with their controller on, on you know, net 30 terms and with cash. And so the yeah. purpose of a payment provider is that they can, they translate that, they enable the float of the, of the tokens to happen on the system, but then, then they, they also enable the ecosystem to work in a way that they are used to, which is cash. So you're going to have rating systems from Kachava, from other rating providers, That's probably right. from users or buyers of the media, and you're also going to have negative, uh, you know, negative indicators too, all on the platform. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And then the, I, the final one, and I, I, should, I should have hit on this, that this is like one of the million-dollar points about exchange. So often when you buy media, and it's to your earlier example before, like if I've got $5 CPM versus $8 CPM, uh, you know, cost per thousand. I know you know the, the difference, but just in terms of the audience, if they're not familiar with the advertising space, you know, $8 for every thousand impressions. Um, there's, this, there's this really important need in advertising, which is data enrichment so that they can target audiences and overlay it with information they may have from a third-party vendor like a Axiom or a Datalogix or a BlueKai. And, and what that really does is it helps you qualify that when I'm paying the premium, that I have some insights that when I go target those audiences, that it's actually more useful. And so we have a first-class role within the system to have data enrichment oracles in the exchange system. So if you subscribe and pay one of these data enrichment oracles to overlay their insights on top of uh, the inventory graph, then you can buy smarter. So again, the, the whole principle here is separating the open system versus the places that actors can play. Um, this is probably a minor question. What if um, you know, I've paid to uh, you know, get an audience, an email audience, or I don't know, I put out banners there and I, and I paid for people to opt into a list and I have a big list. Does your platform allow me to offer that as media and resell that list to other people or are you mm. keeping it siloed? It's a great question. Um, so we are looking at a variety of offer types, whether it's banners or interstitials or videos. And certainly email is probably one of the largest uncelebrated forms of advertising that, of course, happens all the time. Uh, and, and we do have some partners that are lining up to be on our exchange blockchain who uh, really just provide those lists and then they do the um, the delivery of those lists just like a clearinghouse uh, would. And so we think that there absolutely are ways that that's going to get interfaced. We don't necessarily know how uh, specifically because it's not about um, I impressions, but, you know, there's there's companies like Live Intent. And it's a pretty well-known company. Uh, they're, they're close to the company, close to Cochaba. We know the team there. They're really smart guys, but Live Intent powers uh, an awful lot of email advertising campaigns. And um, we're certainly in discussions with them. I don't want to give the impression that they're going to be writing on our blockchain, but um, we're absolutely thinking about it. Right. Yeah, well, very good. Um, is there a token that you guys have or will put out or are going to put out, and what will be the role of it if there is one? Yep. So we, we are going to have a token. Uh, we're going to do a token sale as a SAF um, in the mm -hmm. coming weeks and months. Uh, we've been... Uh, a little bit slow on the process. I wouldn't say we're, we're intentionally being slow. We're just being thoughtful. Um, we have a, 
a really unique consensus model that um, is a kind of hybrid proof of stake BFT uh, and sharded sidechain consensus election framework. That's a that's a mouthful, but um, <laughs> the, I mean I, I don't know that there's a single buzzword I didn't say there. Uh, but but we, mm. we're we're doing that, and the implication of that is that there will be great incentive for people to have stake on the system. And so we want to give them the opportunity to do that by doing a token sale. Um, however, the uh, overall network won't be in production until next year, at the beginning of next year. And so uh, we're really thoughtful because we're, you know, we're, we're an existing company. We've got 140 people. We, there's a lot to risk if we uh, play loose and uh, create a utility token that is in fact being treated as a security uh, and we don't right. follow all the rules that are kind of um, un unfolding as we speak. So we're doing a forward contract as a as a SAFT, uh, which is a simple agreement for future token. It's only for accredited investors. They're going to be KYC, uh, AML, whitelisted. Uh, and we're really trying to think about how we uh, recruit and engage participants who have a business reason to have stake. And they're the ones that we're primarily wanting to get involved with this. But certainly there will also be um, others who know advertising, they understand the business, they know the problems that exist and how this can solve them. And they may want to have stake just for the sake of having stake because we have a, a framework for uh, delegated proof of stake. And so there will be value for people to have stake just in of itself for transaction fees. Well, so that means if I'm a buyer of media on your platform, that you know, there probably would be a, a nice way to reward me with tokens tokens that or if i'm a seller of media too i would experience the token in a similar way just for a different reason that, right? that's exactly right so i i you're right you asked you asked that part of the question i didn't answer that the, the token is really the common mechanism for buying and selling media and services for media and so the the premise there is there's an awful sure. lot of publishers who um they make their inventory available they sell media they make money and they put a lot of that money back into growth of their own website to drive traffic to their website because then it becomes a, a virtuous cycle of growing their audience themselves, which then allows them to sell more media. And so because advertising is one of those unique industries where the service is digital and once an impression is made, the service has been rendered, there is a friction-free feedback loop. And so the implications are pretty awesome and staggering because um, the, the publisher who earns money with tokens uh, can then reapply that token uh, in a region that is not even their own region and not have to worry about things like currency conversion, as an example. And they can be now buying that media or buying the services with that token. You're not going to, are you going to force people to use tokens as the coin of the realm? Or um, can they use it as like airline points, for instance? You know, uh, I buy media, I buy 50,000 a media a month and I've, uh, accumulated a thousand tokens. Can I use them as credits towards buying media? Or do I have to use the tokens or how's it going to work? Yeah. So the system requires token usage, but this is the, the beauty of having uh, payment providers as actors on the system. So if you don't want to get paid in tokens, you want to get paid in cash, a payment provider can be there as kind of an escrow agent that then transacts the tokens, but then pays you out in cash and they take a very small transaction fee in that process. So the thesis here is that there's going to be so much efficiency gain by having uh, all of the actors in, integrated in a common blockchain that um, 
any incremental transaction fee uh, to exit with uh, with fiat currency is nominal in comparison. So if you don't want to have a crypto wallet, you don't want to be um, relegated to using tokens. Uh, there's an ecosystem of first party, like first class actors that can help facilitate that. Okay. Well, very good. Well, I mean, you know, as you're talking, it's uh, you've got a great company that's making money and uh, you just bought yourself a whole bunch of work, but it sounds like it'd be a really great system. <laughs> once it's, once I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and you see this a lot, I'm certain uh, with, with the, uh, the conference and, and all of the different players that you interface with, there are a lot of really innovative projects. Um, and I, I feel like we're in kind of the second generation of projects where um, real companies that are that are making real money and have distribution already that are already implanted into a customer base, they're now the ones doing some of these innovative projects. And so I'm thrilled because, you know, oftentimes when people contemplate should I buy this token? Should I participate in this in this network, in this blockchain? There's always a question of, will it get done? Or there's a question of, will there be value in this thing over time? And, and I think what's really compelling to me is, you know, we're, we're here to stay and we, we're a profitable business and we are going to be getting this done. And it really raises the bar in terms of quality of the project as opposed to a, a kind of a, a, a crossed finger effect of, I hope this gets done. Yeah, I think that's really important. And, you know, I hope the market doesn't penalize true ventures like this to actually make money. Um, you know, you don't have a burn rate. You're raising money to make your stuff better, but you're not depending on it to live and to afford, you know, food. So it's much more likely right. that yours will succeed and, and provide good value to people. So I'm very glad to see it. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you bring up a really good point. Like when you're dependent on a token sale, uh, it's a, you can sometimes make decisions around the architecture of an ecosystem versus when, uh, the token sale is truly to build an, uh, a healthy ecosystem. Uh, there's a there's a different outcome that's kind of a longer view uh, of the picture. Yeah. I think it's a very good point you make. Well, very good. So, uh, you know, last question: When, as a buyer of media or as a seller of media, will I be able to get onto your platform and start doing that? What's your roadmap yep. look like? So, um, in production, it's going to be end of this year, beginning of next year. But we have a, a program that we call the on-exchange program, and it's the, the premise is that any supplier of media, any publisher that has ads that they monetize, uh, they can be part of our on-exchange partner program today, and they'll get early access to uh, testnet and to codebase, and they can start integrating their ad waterfall uh, as soon as uh, the, the June-July timeframe with the intent that we have then production uh, testing throughout the second half of this year and then uh, live uh, buying and selling by the end of the year, beginning of next. Okay. Well, very good. And what's the best way for um, potential buyers and sellers to get in contact with you for the test net and for everything? Yeah. So the, the website is exchange, xchng.io. And uh, we have uh, a number of fantastic advisors on the team who are uh, leaders in the advertising space from uh, leading uh, media exchanges to uh, large first-party premium publishers to large DSPs that are already involved. Um, we have uh, technology partners that are already engaged that are building uh, technologies around these first-party actors like ratings and, and payment providers. So coming to the website, um, uh, engaging uh, through the inbound forms, is, that's how we're kind of managing that funnel. 
and, and obviously we're okay. we're kicking off our our Telegram group uh, on uh, on Telegram, which is just Exchange X C H N G. Well, very good, Charles. I, I really liked what uh, what this is shaping up into, and uh, looking forward to seeing you at the conference. Thanks so much for coming. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the time. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. 